in this season of Lent, uh, we, from the second Sunday through the fifth Sunday of Lent, uh, we have the first readings progress through some high points of salvation history as we move toward the cross. Last week, we heard about the covenant with Abraham in our first reading. Tonight, we hear about the covenant with Israel at Mount Sinai. And next week, we hear about the breaking of the covenant and exile. And then lastly, the fifth Sunday of Lent, we hear about the promise of a new covenant. So alongside this progression of the first readings at, during these Lenten Masses, the Gospel readings move through pivotal events in Christ's life of ministry, mostly in the Gospel of John. And these anticipate and lead up to, as we all are aware, his passion, crucifixion, and death. The first reading progresses through salvation history. The Gospel pro progresses through the life of Christ. There may not be a tight integration of the first reading in the gospel, but we can derive interesting perspectives from them. Jesus does not come to destroy the temple, but to fulfill it, to reveal its true purpose in God's saving plan. Jesus is the Lord that the prophets said would come to purify the temple, banish the merchants, and make it a house of prayer for all people. All three of those were in the prophecies. Where do we hear that? Which prophets? Zechariah, Malachi, and Isaiah. He would purify the temple, banish the merchants, and make it a house of prayer for all people. These prophets said that the Messiah would come to purify the temple. That's exactly what he is fulfilling here in this gospel today. And zeal for my house, right? We heard, zeal for your house will consume me. So Jesus knows the prophecies. He is living them out in the flesh. The God who made the heavens and the earth, who brought Israel out of slavery, does not dwell in sanctuaries made by human hands, nor does he need offerings of oxen, sheep, or doves. Notice in today's first reading, we heard the Ten Commandments. God did not originally command animal sacrifices, only that Israel heed his commandments. His law was a gift of divine wisdom, we could say. And we sang that in our psalm. Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. It was a law of love. And his law of love was perfectly expressed right there on the cross, right on the self or Christ's self-offering on the cross. This is the sign Jesus offers in the gospel today. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The sign that caused Jewish leaders to stumble, the stumbling block that St. Paul tells us here in the second reading in his epistle. Jesus' body destroyed on the cross and raised three days later is the new and true sanctuary. From the temple of his body, rivers of living water flow. Now what is that? What is that analogous to? The life of grace, the spirit of grace that we We just baptized three little babies uh, today around noon, right here, 
so awesome, adorable, all three of them about the same age, all from the same family, cousins and siblings, etc. But it was so beautiful. Living waters come from baptism. The spirit of grace, the spirit of God comes into each of us, each of those three babies, each of us at baptism as a temple. And together builds us into a dwelling place of God. And in the Eucharist, we participate in his offering of his body and blood. What else can we derive from this gospel today and the first reading? One of the laws given later in Israel's history to facilitate the worship of God, required by the Ten Commandments, allowed the people of Israel to sell their livestock for money, travel to the temple, and purchase other livestock for sacrifice. This made pilgrimage to the temple easier. You did not need to travel with your flocks or herds. All you had to do was bring money in your pocket. It is significant that permission for this granted in Deuteronomy, the, also known as the second law, which in many ways contained compromises from the divine ideal. For example, the, the teaching on divorce, Moses' permission for divorce. Jesus says, in the beginning it was not so. Well, be that as it may, this ability to purchase animals for sacrifice at the site of the sanctuary, while well-intended enough by Moses, gave rise to an extremely profitable business that took advantage of the Jewish pilgrims. We could say it was a kind of a sacred tourist trap. Although not doing anything technically wrong, according to Jewish law, the merchants in the temple were breaking the intent, the intent of the commandment, you shall not steal. Christ enters the scene. He enters the temple, then as a sort of embodiment of the law. Although the written code could not put an end to the abuses against divine law that were taking place, Christ, who is the law in the flesh, put an end to it personally. What's the spiritual application of this for all of us today? Spiritually applied, Christ does the same for each and every one of us. Because each of us is the temple or a temple of the Holy Spirit. When we receive the sacraments in docility and faith, Christ enters and cleans up our temple. We just had a lot of confessions tonight. All three of us were, had lines going down the wall, and last night was very busy. Christ enters in and cleans our temple when we receive the sacraments in faith, and docility and faith, especially through the sacrament of reconciliation, to which we should all have frequent recourse during this season of Lent. Remember, moms know best. Our mother of the church says, make a good confession every year, every Lent. Okay, so poke and prod any of you that need that a little bit of the way. Okay, to come along the way. Come, the doors are open. The light is on. We've heard that before. In the Gospel of John, this account has a very important role. Coming near the beginning of the Gospel, this is chapter 2 in John's Gospel, it foreshadows and announces Christ's passion and resurrection at the start of the story of Christ's life. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. So all that unfolds throughout the gospel. The rest of the gospel does so with an eye on Calvary, with an eye on the cross. 
also by identifying his body as the temple, Jesus is claiming to be a fulfillment of salvation history and all the covenants because that's what the temple was for the ancient Jews. A few chapters later on in John's Gospel, John chapter 6, many of you are familiar with it, our Lord will speak of giving us his body to be eaten, which suggests that we in turn are also incorporated into God's temple. The first reading was the Ten Commandments, the rules for Israel to become God's family. The family of the king back then was called his house, as we hear in the expression, the house of David. So the people of God became the house of God, in a sense, the family of God. But this gospel shows us the way the people of God will become the house of God, in a different sense as a temple. All who have zeal for Jesus' house will consume him and become both family and temple of the Lord. So think about this. Is your family a family of the Lord? Is your house a house of God? Are you personally, individually, a temple of the Lord? And as we take the Eucharist this Lord's Day, let us ask Jesus to continue to clean our temple during the rest of this Lent as we stay faithful, faithful to our practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Amen, and God bless you.